Welcome to the Living the Dream podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. Today, I am joined by author and podcast host, Shannon Lawrence. Shannon writes primarily horror and fantasy, and her work has been in over 40 anthologies and magazines. And her three horror short story collections are available now. So we're going to be talking to her about her books and her writing style, how she got started, and those three short stories and any upcoming projects she has. Shannon, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me on, Curtis. Why don't you start off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself? Okay. I, wow, lately it's been, it's been all school for the last year. I just graduated with my bachelor's in business management. So, but I am back into the writing stuff and going at the podcast hard, which is really the only thing I did other than school the last year because it's fun and it me occupied elsewhere, but I'm an ex volunteer for a writer's group locally. I did that for about a decade, just helping other writers get started. And that was a lot of fun. I only quit it because of school stuff. So we'll see if I end up going back or if I can focus on my own stuff and just writing and getting ready for my next projects. Well, congratulations on that degree. And Thank you. <laughs> tell us about your writing style and why you were drawn, drawn to horror, fantasy, and short stories at that. You know, so the normal venture with publishing tends to be focused on the novel, but I just, I've always enjoyed reading short stories. Even as a kid, I was finding they had these anthologies for kids that were, you know, more kid appropriate horror. And of course there's R.L. Stein who I actually didn't discover as a kid. So I didn't read him until I was reading him with my kids, but again, very geared toward kid friendly and getting horror out there when you're young. But see, my grandmother used to sneak me to horror movies, <laughs> much to my parents' chagrin. So she took me to see the cat people in the eighties and Jaws and she was, her house was the first place I watched Silver Bullet and just all of that. And so I always loved horror and ghost stories. And I grew up part-time on the East Coast in Maryland. And there, there's tons of ghost stories. It's a big thing because history goes back significant chunk over on the East Coast, more so where I am in Colorado now, just because there were people settling there first. But I just always enjoyed reading those stories and getting that little thrill and that little scare because at the end, you know, everything's fine. It's not real. You're safe, but it gives you a way to look at the world and see that there's a way out of things most of the time and that things could be way worse is another thing that it shows. So I was just drawn to it and enjoyed, started writing short stories to it and I just enjoy the short form so much, both to read because you can finish a story, get a whole arc and this whole character in 
a short sitting, right? Instead of it taking a week or a couple of days or however long it takes anybody to read a novel and writing it also is quicker. And therefore you get, have the thrill of living in that moment that's in that story for, for that short time and be completely into the story instead of having to put it down multiple times in between readings. So it just kind of ended up being naturally where my love went with it. And even though ultimately I'll probably write novels and get into that, I'll never leave the short form behind. Well, I know that you are also a fan of true crime and so am I. I check out a lot of investigation discovery. Tell us why you are a fan of true crime and what's your favorite shows or maybe books. Okay. Yeah, I kind of had a background. By the time I moved to Colorado, I had had two kidnapping events, attempts on me. And also as a very young child, I think I was about three, I was in the car when now a known serial killer came after my mom. So I kind of have this, this background in true crime. And again, it's something where psychologically, this works for the horror too. I'm very interested in what makes people do the things that they do. And I watched that true crime and I absorbed these things and I still couldn't tell you. (laughs) I mean, to the point that people have been profiled, sure. But it's, it's so hard to understand how a person's brain can work and make them do such awful things, no matter their backgrounds, because there are people with the same backgrounds when that excuse is used, you know, that they were abused or they went through this or that. I mean, I write horror because of it. I'm not because of a, a bad background. I'm not out there killing people, you know? So I just, it started out with me looking into things when I, this guy tried to get me into his car in Maryland and reading true crime. And then like I read John Douglas's, I believe that's his name books. The first one be Mindhunter, which they made the TV show on, I believe it was Netflix based off his experiences. And it was really, if we're honest, <laughs> I know an FBI profiler who went into the class under John Douglas and his was the first class of profilers that went through. And so if we're being honest, Mindhunter is really a a mishmash of stories that occurred to the group, not so much John Douglas as it turns out, but just watching these things, trying to understand people. And sometimes it gives me story ideas too. So there's that, but I really enjoy in terms of true crime, I've gotten into some podcasts lately. And one of those is the Murder Squad. And I was drawn to it in the first place because one of the men on this podcast, Paul Holes is his name. He was instrumental in capturing the Golden State Killer. So that was huge. And he did that through genetic testing, basically tracing family members is how it got to it. But he, it's him co-hosting it with a journalist. And so they're very involved and they have these two different backgrounds of expertise. It's a really interesting podcast to listen to if you like true crime. And then let's see, I don't know, I've been eating up true crime documentaries, Netflix and Hulu basically are competing with each other, I think, to have as many on there as possible. So there's always something new. And the most recent one I watched, I think was on Netflix. And now I can't remember the guy's name, but it's something like the faces of Bobby 
something and it's a man who committed crimes and then when it came time for the court cases after he was caught he ended up being diagnosed with multiple personality disorder so that's a really interesting documentary if people can find it it's brand new so it pops up recommended and then the first podcast true crime i came to was my favorite murder which is just it's two women who love to talk about true crime and that's how it was actually their podcast that inspired me to start my own true crime podcast so it was a happy find i was like if they can do this i can do this <laughs> absolutely well for the people out there who are looking to write short stories give give some tips on submitting short stories what should people know about that Oh, absolutely. So submitting short stories, I recommend there's two places that people can go that they can find some really good markets. And so that's magazines or people looking to put publishers looking to put together an anthology. And that is Submission Grinder. And that's not the URL, but if you just, you know, Google Submission Grinder, you'll find it no problem. It'll be the first thing that pops up. And something called Duotrope. D-U-O-T-R-O-P-E. And you can put in certain parameters on those websites and say, well, one of them will be word count. For so example, you'll choose that you're looking for publishers who take short stories versus say novels or flash fiction, which is super short. And then how much you want to be paid, that sort of thing. So you enter your parameters and it'll pull up a list of markets that are looking for short stories that meet your parameters. And so Duotrope is paid, Submission Grinder is free. I do use Duotrope right now because Submission Grinder was in beta when I started doing anything. So I don't know if it still is or not, but it still worked perfectly fine. And that's an excellent way to find places where you can submit your work, as well as there's always Facebook groups for whatever your genre might be. It doesn't have to be horror, but there are horror groups that will post, hey, these these people are looking, they're putting out a book and they're looking for writers. So they'll have all that information. And it's really, really helpful because not only do you find markets there, but you can find, you can keep track of where you've submitted, which is important because some of them don't take simultaneous submissions, meaning you can't submit to them here, but also submit elsewhere at the same time. So they ask that they be the only ones looking at the story at that time. So you can keep track and not mess anything up or say accidentally send your story to the same person a second time because they don't like that much. So give all the aspiring writers some tips on putting on a write event, writing event. Tell them what it might entail and what all you have to do to set up one of those writing events because I'm sure you've probably done plenty of them. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was actually exactly what a large chunk of my volunteer work was, was putting on events, which morphed by the way, because I was still doing it when the pandemic hit and we couldn't do anything in person. So we had to very quickly change events that we already had scheduled that were due to be in person only and put those online. So I got a crash course in Zoom really fast and it turned out to be excellent because then more people than just those who live locally were able to start were able to start attending our workshops. But the big thing is, so venue was always the hardest for whatever reason, venue, finding a place in person, obviously if it's online, you use Zoom or something similar and that simplifies things a lot because you just need that account to get that set up. But 
for venue, you have to find a place that will let you hold it there. And some of them are going to want a lot of money for it. The tricky thing was always finding a place that wasn't going to charge, you know, $500 for one hour. And two hours seemed to be the sweet spot, I'll say, unless it was something that we were asking people to pay for. And then we did four hours, but just a nice two hour workshop for free or an event or a signing is really solid because it's not enough time for people to get bored, but it's enough time for people to get into it and whatever the workshop happens to be on. So say you have somebody teaching how to write horror or something like that. A two-hour workshop gives people plenty of time, gives the person time to present for hour, hour and a half, and then you've got time for questions afterwards for all the stuff that wasn't covered for people. But Social media was also really important for that. So putting together that event, approaching the speaker professionally, if you were going to have a speaker, is important. Sending them a nice professional email, inviting them, giving them the information they need to know ahead of time and to make a decision. So, and for that, the easiest, obviously, is finding their contact information on their website when they have it, which authors should. I'm just going to put that out there for authors. If you want to be booked and you want to get yourself out there, you need to have an easy way for people to find and contact you. And even putting something like a, a kit up on your, a press kit up on your website is helpful too. Like I already have my bio and my headshots, and then I keep a, a record on there so they can see even what I've taught in the past, because it can give people looking for that. I've been on both sides. And it's really helpful if you're looking for that to see, oh, I have topics I can ask them to talk about if they're not interested in the one I'm pitching them. But getting your event up on social media is the most important thing right now. So creating, say, a Facebook event that the uh, speakers and you and attendees can share out on their own pages is a huge help. And that way they can find the information and get where they need to go. But I mean, that's a really condensed version, obviously, of putting on an event. But people are hungry. I'm lucky to live in an area where there's a lot of stuff in the creative arts. And that includes writing. But I have plenty of friends who live in areas that don't have any writing events at all. So if people are looking for that, if they don't want to put on an event, say with speakers, there's also a lot of formats that you can do like a, a meetup and there is a website called meetup where you can coordinate things like that, where you just get together and talk. Cause we also, sure we had workshops and we had panels and stuff like that, but we also had nights, we had something called writer's night and it was just writers getting together for two hours to talk and to ask questions. So if they needed to know how to self-publish or something like that, they could come and ask and people who know about it would answer the questions. And just being around other creatives is amazing in itself in terms of inspiration and getting you to put your nose to the grindstone. So people usually left those meetings and went home and just started working and writing because they had that inspiration. And then a month later, they do it again and ramp back up. But there's all sorts of things you can do. It doesn't have to be workshops where to create a writing community can be helpful for so many because writing is such a lonely solo thing that you're not getting that feedback or just the knowledge that you're not alone if you're not part of some sort of writer's group and you can even do them online so obviously plenty have moved online in the last year again using zoom or something like that and I've even done a participated in, not run for once, a book group during pandemic that 
I had never done a, been in a book group before, so that's been different, but it's been fun just getting to talk to people about books again. Yeah, those book clubs are pretty cool. Speaking of books, tell us about the books that you have out. Kind of give us a brief description of each one, what the readers can expect when they read it and how people go about publishing or purchasing your book. Okay. Yeah, so... I started realizing as I got stories published in magazines and anthologies that I could take those stories once I had my rights back because each publisher has a different contract with you. But often for magazines, you get the rights back on your stories within three months to a year at most. And with anthologies, it can be one to two years before you get your rights back. And I realized that I could be bundling those and having that ownership over them again into collections. So, and then of course, I always add fresh stories that haven't been published anywhere else as well. But chances are that with as many publications in magazines and such as I have, that probably my readers aren't buying every single one of those, but they can get them all at once in a collection. So all three of my books out right now are just short story collections. They're horror with a touch of dark fantasy. There's also a touch of comedy, especially in the most recent one. That one was Happy Gula Days. And I put that out last October. And it's basically half a year's holidays. And I will be putting out number two. So there'll be a Happy Gula Days one and two. And it was the holidays from Thanksgiving to Valentine's Day is how far that one went. So the other one, I'll cover all the rest of the year's holidays. And it was just fun putting together new spins on in, on the holidays, but in a horror version. And again, a couple of them have a little bit of comedy to them, but mostly it's more serious. And I will say, just have it out there and be clear that while not all the stories are, you know, gory blood fest, nothing like that. I don't write extreme horror. There will be some gore in some of the stories. And then my first one was actually Blue Sludge Blues and Other Abominations. And that one, again, is quite a mix of horror short stories. Same disclaimer as the Happy Gula Days. But Bruised Souls and Other Torments is the one that I did in the middle. And that one has more psychological horror in it than other things. It does, again, have a couple stories that will be more toward having some gore or violence in them, but a lot of them are also not. For example, one of them is focused on a woman who wakes up in a, trapped inside a house and she doesn't know who she is. And it's her working through this while somebody who she never gets to meet or see kind of quietly torments her from outside. So just her waking up, say, and finding differences in things and her running out of food and stuff like that. So again, it's a very quiet horror compared to other things. So if somebody were looking for more in that vein, then I would recommend that they go with Bruised Souls versus the other two. And those can be found Amazon. They can be found in ebook on at Barnes and Noble. And if they go to my website, thewarriormuse.com, I do have a publications tab and it has not only my collections, my solo collections, but also places I've been published otherwise, including a couple that are free to read online. So they can sample that. And on my website, they can also sign up for my newsletter and I send out information ahead of time to the folks that are on that and just let them keep them updated with stuff going on, send pictures of just life things that are happening. Cause I like to hike that sort of thing. And it doesn't go out more than once a month. That's the maximum. 
because I don't like harassing people. <laughs> so spell that second word of your website. Oh, okay. It's the Warrior Muse. So it's T-H-E-W-A-R-R-I-O-R-M-U-S-E as in I, like a writing muse. Yeah. thought that was the case. I just wanted to make sure. You're also a podcast host. So tell us about your podcast and what it's about. And I'm sure it's probably available wherever you get your podcast from. Tell us Absolutely. about it. Yeah. So the podcast is Mysteries, Monsters, and Mayhem. And we do have a website, mysteriesmonstermayhem.com, that you can access the episodes if you don't follow one of the other places like iHeartRadio and all of that good stuff. But we are available everywhere now, officially, that it's available as far as I know. <laughs> That's been tricky. I'm sure you know all about that. Some of them are harder to get on than other ones, but we did get them on there, which is fun. But it's so it primarily focuses on true crime. And it's my co-host. Her name is MB Partlow, and she's also a writer. She writes more like space opera and a fantasy and that sort of thing. She's very, she has quite a sense of humor, and that comes out in her writing. And it also comes out in our podcast because I'm a smart aleck and <laughs> she's in general a humorist. So we have a lot of banter on there. We talk books and movies and TV, so media that we're, we're reading and watching because to us, the book part needed to have a presence there on the show. So when we have guests, they're frequently, most often authors, but also funnily enough through the writing community, we know a lot of people who are in, you know, for instance, the FBI profiler, people like that who will ultimately have honest guests. and. We do sometimes do a bit of paranormal and even cryptids and creatures and stuff that people have reported for fun, even though that focus is mainly true crime. And part of that is, funnily enough, my partner, she has never been a true crime fan. So she tends to find ones that are fun, like mayhem, like she covered recently the the great molasses spill that happened way back when. And she found one, I couldn't stop laughing most of the podcast because it was so serious, but there was a maple syrup heist that was famous in Canada. And so she does fun stuff like that and turn of the century experters and stuff. And then I tend to focus more on serial killers and present crime happening, that sort of thing. Kind of the more extreme end versus her stuff. But yeah, we just like to, chat and joke around it was a way for us to kind of talk to people when we weren't anymore because we were so used to hosting events you know that suddenly we didn't have that and we didn't have that interaction with people anymore and so we started doing this podcast not expecting it to really go anywhere but kind of to keep us busy during the craziness and the isolation and then we started hearing from people that it was that they appreciated hearing us joking around and just laughing and talking on there so that's been a nice boost just knowing that while we were keeping ourselves from being quite so lonely I mean I'm in a house with three other people I have two teenagers so it's not like I was here all by myself completely but it's different to talk to somebody outside your house versus talking to the people you live with all the time and but to know that we were kind of providing a little bit of that for other people too, including people from our community who were used to attending our events or our friends who are writers. So yeah, it has a bit of a writing focus in it just in terms of 
we're always going to talk about that book we wrote and we love to have authors on to tell true crime stories, usually from wherever they were born or where they spent most of their lives so that we can personalize it in that way. So yeah, we've really enjoyed that. Well, let's talk about any current or upcoming projects that you're working on that people need to know about. Okay. I, so Happy Gula Days 2 will be coming out. My goal right now is that those will be out, that will be out in March so that I can hit those next relevant holidays. And that'll be a collection of short stories about different holidays. And then I am also working on a craft book for writers, which is the business of short stories. So I don't have a release date on that yet, but I will put that out in my newsletter and website as soon as I know. And it's different slightly because it's going to focus on the actual business aspects because I've been able to make a niche for myself, including being able to talk at various conventions and being asked to be a guest on workshops and panels and stuff like that. I've presented at Denver Comic-Con and all of that, again, without being what people used to consider a technical author, which would be somebody who published novels. And so that's been awesome. And I want to pass that on because I get so many of the same questions because you can find books on writing short stories, which I tend to think is more of a natural thing to figure out your own way of doing it, but there's just nothing out there on the actual submission process and what you do afterwards, because there's technicalities, it's a business and even marketing it'll cover for short stories, that sort of thing. So I'm excited about that project because it's a lot of what I've done with workshops that I've presented to people and everything. And I just want that information out there so people can find it and not have to flail so much trying to find their way. And if they love short stories, I want them to be able to do them and not feel like they're not real writers. Because the biggest shock for me was when I started being treated like a real published author, even though I wasn't doing novels and being invited to speak and that sort of thing. And really it was me that was holding back on all that. It wasn't the writing community. They're very welcoming and they consider me one of them. So I want other people to be able to find that on a different path than maybe you see most of the books and such to be about. Well, throw out your full contact information, throw out the two websites you talked about earlier and any social media links so people can stay connected with you. Okay. Yeah. So mysteriesmonstersmayhem.com is the website for that. And we do also have a Facebook page, which can be searched at Mysteries Monsters and mayhem. And we do love it if people send us stories, like their own cryptid stories, their own ghost stories, their own true crime interactions, anything like that. And they can send that to mysteriesmonstersmayhem at gmail.com. Notice that the website and the email, there's no and, even though technically that's in the name. And just send us that or go to our website. And there's actually just a super easy form that you can fill out and it'll send us the story. And then we'll read them on the podcast at the beginning. And then we also have an Instagram for that. So you can search Mysteries, Monsters, and Mayhem. And that's where we post pictures about the topics we've talked about. So let me see this past, the new episodes go up each Wednesday, by the way. So it's every week on Wednesdays. And, but yeah, I put pictures. There's no way I can think of right now what my topic was last week, but we recently covered, say, Twisted Houses. So we had 
the Winchester Mystery House on there. And so there's pictures of that house and H.H. Holmes Murder Castle. So pictures of that. So we put all that on Instagram and then keep like interactive stuff on the Facebook page and announcements. And then for me, my website is thewarriormuse.com. And you can find publications, appearances, all of that. I'm always busy in October, which makes sense, right? Because I'm a horror author. So I've got some stuff up right now. And then after October, nothing until January, really. But that is on there. And again, any books that are still available and magazines, I'll have on there and have links to purchase those or to go read the free stuff. And I'll put on there if it's free. And I think there's two of those up right now. Once it's out of publication, out of print, then I take it off of the website. And I am on Facebook. You can find me at the Warrior Muse or by plugging in Shannon Lawrence author, and it should get you to me. And then I'm on Twitter at the Warrior Muse and also Pinterest or sorry. Yeah, well, I am on Pinterest, but I'm not that active. Instagram and all those good things. So I'm everywhere and I keep it under either my author name or the warrior muse. So typically you can find me just by plugging in the warrior muse. And I think that covered it. You got any (laughs) final thoughts before we close it out? You know, just that whatever you're doing in your writing life, or even just your creative life period, because there's a lot related between art and music and writing and all of that find yourself a community, even if it's online. And if you want to create one in person, just get together with people. You don't have to do anything huge, but having other creatives around you and having a community really matters for at least for some people. And that doesn't mean you have to be getting together all the time, but you will feed off of each other's creativity and energy. Yeah. Energy. If you have that community and it can really help you moving forward. So I highly recommend it. Real quick, tell us about your favorite place that you have hiked at and a place that you would, a dream place that you would like to hike at. Okay. Yeah. So I actually, again, am really lucky to live in a, I live in Colorado Springs. So there's a lot of outdoor stuff around here. It's a, it's a Colorado thing basically is that people like to do stuff outdoors, but I live right next to a park that's called Ute Valley Park. And so, and there are several communities around it. So nobody can stalk me knowing that it factors into some of my stories, but it's just, it's this lovely park in the middle of suburbia, basically that has been protected by the city. And so I can go out there. There's even a little rock climbing if anybody wants to do that but it's incredibly peaceful because it's not one of the big hiking places that everybody's going to be. And so you're going to be walking around people and have them walking around you. And I really love it. And yeah, I think it's in at least two of my published stories, a mention of it, but dream hikes, honestly, I just, so for the next year, I don't have specific one, but I did find this great app and it's just, it's like a, it's a hiking app just came up on a search and I can just open it up and say how far I want to travel to go hike somewhere. And it'll tell me what trails and their difficulty rating, for example. And so what I'm wanting to do in the next year, because I had a lot of health issues the last few years. So I've been having to slowly get back into it, but in the next year, I intend to start going on 
at least just a new trail at least once a month. So, and getting farther and farther and farther out from where my home base. So I'm just really looking forward to that and finally being able to be out there and not pay too bad for it because of the health issues. Ladies and gentlemen, Shannon Lawrence, thewarriormuse.com. Make sure you check out our podcast as well. Also, listeners, be sure to follow, rate, review, share this episode to as many people as possible after listening. And Android listeners, go to the Google Play Store and download the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast app. Shannon, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you again. This was nice. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream. Dream.